Welcome to Travel Tips Tuesday with John Rogers. On today's show, you'll learn up-to-date, creative, and personal tips that will help you make your travel dreams a reality. Enjoy today's episode. Here's John. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Travel Tips Tuesday. This is Travel Tips Tuesday for December the 8th, 2020, and today we are continuing our conversation with former Disney Imagineer McNair Wilson, who had the pleasure of working with director-producer Mel Brooks, chairman and CEO of the Walt Disney Company, Michael Eisner, also president of the company, Frank Wells, and many other amazing people at the Walt Disney Company, including Marty Scalar. In this particular episode, we're going to dig into some of his time working with other Imagineers like Joe Rohde and talk about some of the other projects that he has his hand on, including covering a few uh, other listener questions. So we covered a few of those in the first episode. If you missed it last week, please go back and listen to it. You are in for a treat. You heard about the story for the Tower of Terror and many others that he has to share from his experience working for Walt Disney Imagineering. So thank you again to McNair for coming on the show. Well, we will pick back up on this episode as he's wrapping up talking about the story of the Tower of Terror and he's uh, sharing with uh, the audience about a special painting that was done in uh, kind of commemorating the salt shaker story that he has shared of how the Tower of Terror came to be. And then he jumps right into a few listener questions from some of you all. So thank you all again so much for listening and for your support. Here's episode number 101 of Travel Tips Tuesday. Let's get into it, shall we? So with the new book, we're going to make posters of this available as, you know, one of the premiums. If you buy 29 copies of the book, you'll get, yeah. That's awesome. Love to get my so hands that's on the painting. <laughs> that is so cool. You're welcome. Uh, such an awesome story about how that uh, how that came to be, and um, that just and again like earlier I mentioned um, that I was a cast member at Tower of Terror, which is kind of how like initially my interest in kind of who you are and what you do was was peak. And it, to learn the backstory behind that uh, was was so neat. Yeah, um, just just kind of kind of makes it more real uh, in in a way. So we we've got a few questions that um, some of our some of our listeners and others that that asked earlier uh today and i would like to and, I'm, and i may actually end up splitting this portion of tonight into a separate kind of podcast episode and sort of publish it in two separate sections uh, but we've got two let's see three maybe three or four questions that, that we'll get to and some of these people um you know i'm just going to mention uh just first names um, but some of them you may not so our friend David and uh, shout out to David Dollar by the way. I think you've been on his podcast by the way. Um, it used to be called Magic Owner Dollar. Now it's called the Main Street Electrical Podcast. Uh, I think you did right. a show with I him did, at, at one point. Yeah, I did my first show at the Main Street Electrical. Right. Yeah, and, and D- David's one of our one of our thing buddies that's uh, that's been there a few times. Um, anyway, he he piped in on that feed and he asked, "What attraction that you had no hand in?" So what attraction that you had no hand in sparks your own imagination and blows you away? Well, I, I can honestly say I had almost no hand in Animal Kingdom. Uh, when they were trying to figure out the weenie, the main mm-hmm. iconic attraction or image for Animal Kingdom, I got a beep in those days before... Before cell phones, we all wore beepers because we had eventually 29 buildings for Imagineering. Um, and my buddy Joe, just just retiring, Rody, 
um, beeped me and their idea for the icon in the middle, I come in, they said, how big is Noah's Ark? I said, big, because they knew I had a little pocket mm -hmm. Bible in my back pocket. And it wasn't a, a big thing with me, but just every once in a while, that's experiments, I'd pull out, read some scripture or somebody had a question, but it was no big deal. I don't know. I was surprised they knew because I didn't make a big show of it at all. Um, and I said, well, let's look it up. And we figured it out. And they said, it's this many cubits by this many cubits. I said, I, I think as I'm guessing, it's a football field and a half long, three, 400 feet, mm -hmm. 10 stories high. But let's figure out, I said, a cubit, I think is here to here or here to here. So two and a half feet, 18 inches. So we called our resource center, our library and the librarian answered. And she says, it's your lucky day. I know the answer to that. And I, so I said to Joe, I said, so why? He says, well, we're thinking about the weenie, the castle being Noah's Ark. And I said, Right. It's pretty big. Don't do it full size. Do it like the Campanile in Italy, which is 110 right. feet. And the real one is through 400 feet, but it works in scale. Um, uh, like the Eiffel Tower in France worked until you build a dumb cuckoo bird and goldfish hotels behind them. <laughs> There's that. And yep. Yep. Imagineering got so PO'd when they did that. Anyway. Oof. So we said, hmm. So we did some brainstorming about an, an attraction of Noah's Ark and so on. And so we're doing one of the quarterly updates that I was invited to. And there were a couple other little things I was invite, invited into an animal kingdom, but mostly not. Um, just wasn't on that project, and which is fine. And probably would have been called in later because at one point Joe said, start to think about some live elements for, for that. And I said, well, it just, it, I said, my initial reaction it, it is a, a series of uh, native street groups, music groups, song that we would, that you would bring in. We may be able to find them in the States, but otherwise, you know, which is what they've done over the years. Mm -hmm. um, and anyway, Eisner came in and he, he turned to me, he says, he says, now that, he says that Noah's Ark thing, he said, I, I like it, don't get me wrong. But he said, are we gonna get in trouble from any church folk? Cause there'd been enough conversations about this and that over the years. So they mm -hmm. knew I was a Christian and a church person. Um, but I, I, you know, I didn't start with meetings. Now, before we begin more talk about Hotel Mail, remember there will be a Gideon's Bible in every room of the of the uh, of the Tower of Terror. I mean, that would never have happened. Um, but now that I think of that, would have been funny. Um, uh, just one drawer in the lobby with the Gideon's Bible, yeah. and, um, and and signed by Mel. And he said, he said, are we going to cut trouble from church people? And I said, you know, the ride itself, no. What we've, what we've been brainstorming, I think they'll love it. But because it will be the icon, the weenie for this park, it's going to end up on a big plastic bag mm -hmm. with Cinderella's castle, Spaceship Earth, and Noah's Ark, and now it's Disney's Ark. Right. And that will rub some people the wrong way. I said, the people who rub the wrong, wrong way are people we don't want to need to worry about anyway. Those are the people that see marijuana leaves in the wallpaper in Toy Story. It's right. not there, you know. Um, but I said, that, that, that's the only thing, you know, to that. And he said, well, if we didn't do it, what would we do? And I said, well, you know what I think is, it's such a big thing. I think we're gonna save it for three or four years down the road when we need a big new thing at Animal Kingdom to get people to go back to Animal Kingdom. And I said, so you're watching TV and the commercial break comes and it's thunder and lightning. <laughs> now appearing at Disney's Animal Kingdom. And you see, and you see the rain, and you see the side, the wooden wall, the side, and the rain coming down, and a door opens, and a hand comes out, and a, and a dove lands on this hand and pulls it back, and there's Noah's, Noah holding the dove with the 
twig in his hand and the, and the, and the camera pulls back and there's, there's the ark covered in rain. Noah's ark. That would have been you know, a different experience. <laughs> well, and, and Eisen said, that was great. Did you just do that? I said, yeah, that, that's what you do. 30 seconds. And I said, but save it. Don't put it in there now. It would get lost in the shuffle. There's lots of great stuff there for opening day. So I said, when you say that during the presentation, when you ask, what if we didn't do this? Don't make it about me because it's not about me. Mm. Just leave that alone. He says, is, it, is the ark nailed down? And I said, no, we pass it around the room. We stick. So he reached over and picked it. It was probably this big in the model. And he picks it up and he says, I love this. We have to do this. But maybe, maybe we save it for three or four years down the road for the big new thing. He said, and he sets it on the table next to the model. He said, if we didn't do that, what might we do there? And that led to the development of, and brilliantly so, I think, um, mm -hmm. uh, the tree of life. Yeah. A simple, elegant solution for that part. That's awesome. Love that. That's such so a cool story. I would say animal king, any any part of animal kingdom. I just that's that's the one part that if I'm alone, I will take a half a day with my sketchbook and go and sit and doodle and write and think. I've even gone with my with my laptop, just as I used to do on Tom Sawyer Island in in, in uh, Disneyland. That's awesome. Um, you, you mentioned uh, Joe Rody, and I think there's a lot of conversation kind of about him and his legacy and kind of a lot of things that he's done, you know, being in, involved in Imagineering for what, I think around 40 years uh, or something like that. Did you, have you had any other uh, encounters like with him, any other projects that you might want to share or talk about? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, one, of the first, one of the first meetings I was in, they were talking about when they were going to do some, some nightclubs and before mm -hmm. Pleasure Island, it was just going to be some disparate buildings at the at the um, uh, Lake, what used to be Lake Buena Vista Shopping Center, Disney Shopping Village, whatever it was called. And um, on that score, Marty came to me during the development of Pleasure Island and he said, you know, you're good at names. And what he meant was, I don't always come up with the name, but I'm good at kind of ferreting out a, a collection of words and ideas around which we can find a name for something. He said, start thinking about a way to rename Disney Shopping Village, because that's we can't build Pleasure Island next to the Walt Disney World Shopping Village. As soon as I walked away from him, and he said, get back to me in a couple of days, some choices, and we'll play with them. I thought of a name. So I went back to my office, pulled down some butcher paper, and I put it right in the middle. And then I started putting names on either side of it, making a list. People come by and say, what's that? We're renaming Shopping Village. Everybody says, oh, about not. So I said, add a couple and then check <laughs> the ones you like. Well, everyone checked the one I had. So I couldn't get a meeting with Marty. So I knew that every day he ate a late lunch, went to the to the restroom restroom down the hall by the by our in-house cafe the big d um which was not named for disney it was named for a guy named dennis who died way too young uh who was one of the great guys on staff there and uh and so i said to his secretary i said sally beat me the next couple of days when marty's headed to the bathroom with his toothbrush so i walk in pretend to do something over at the one of the porcelain devices and then went over and was rinsing my hands and he's right says hey you didn't get me and I pulled out a big marker, jumbo marker, and on the mirror in front of Marty, I wrote downtown Disney. He said, that's it. Don't you think? And it stuck. Um, and so when, when I heard that my a friend of mine, I won't say her name because I really like her a lot. She's done some great stuff. Cars Land and Splash Mountain Disneyland mm -hmm. was renaming to, to Disney Springs. I go, what? 
What does it even? We've already got 27 things named springs. Yep. So I teach a class at Colorado Christian University every year. And when we go, and I do this a little bit with the people at the thing, I get everybody to name things springs. So I would get a text from the kids <laughs> saying, now, tomorrow when you go to the Magic Kingdom, are we going to Jungle Springs or Haunted Springs first? And I said, well, we'll go to Pirate Springs and then we'll go to Jungle Springs. And so get everybody to add springs to, to, to everything. Um, Tower of Springs and so on. Um, <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> question. Oh, uh, Joe. So yes. The very, yes. The very first day at Imagineering, they were talking about these, these uh, nightclubs. And they had this all the generic list. Magic Club, Comedy Club, Jazz Club, Country Western Club, blah, 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 Dance Club. And Joe and the Kirk brothers and a few others had the idea to do this kind of safari, world travel, discover, explore adventures mm -hmm. place. And Joe came in and told this unbelievably long, you know what a shaggy dog story joke is? It's a joke that goes on and on and on. And the punchline is usually a pun and it's not funny, but it's the telling of it. And he did this long, long, it was a death or chai chai. I still remember it. And I'm trying to come up with something where I'm going to send Joe a congratulations for his 40 years and say, remember death or chai chai. And he used to do these theme, themed parties at his house that were like the last days of the Raj. We'd all be in right. khaki or white or some, you know, having tea, pretending you were in, in, in India. And that was my first meeting with Joe and I liked him instantly. He just, he was, mm -hmm. he was animated. He was himself a character, um, extremely well-read, very, very bright. And so we, we intersected all the time and, and uh, spent a lot of, a lot of time to, we did a tour of about, um, I think we did six or seven cities in North America with a dozen or so of the key designers and show producers for Pleasure Island when we were designing Pleasure Island, just to look at what the, what are the great new restaurants, clubs, and so on. We had San Francisco and Vancouver and Los Angeles and New York and so on. And Joe was on that tour. So we spent, spent time together. Didn't, didn't see anything like it. And I remember standing in what became the mask room at the Adventures Club with Rick Rothschilds, who was the overall mm. show producer for Pleasure Island, Chris Carradine, son of John Carradine, the actor, brother of David and all the other Carradine boys. Chris was an architect, not an actor. Chris was the one that came with the idea of the industrial look, former warehouses for Pleasure Island, uh, based on, if you've been to Vancouver's place called Granville Island, which is just that, a real industrial place. It's now mm -hmm. clubs and restaurants. And, stuff. and so it was Rick Rothschild, Chris Carradine, and, and Michael Asher and I, and I don't for life for me know why Joe wasn't there. Must have been something that the tank, because he well should have been. He was the major domo for Adventures Club. And uh, we're standing there, just the uprights and the slab. And Eisner said, is this going to work? And Rick and Chris deferred to me. And I said, Michael, we could build one of these in all five or six major cities in America, as long as there is a restaurant. I said, in fact, before it's too late, we should nuke the club next door, which originally was a jazz <laughs> club. And then became, the Neon Armadillo became a country western club. The name didn't change, Neon Armadillo. Mm. <laughs> I said, that should be a restaurant. That should be the discoverer's restaurant open all day from noon to midnight with their own characters in there, which would have been a great idea. Uh, and I said, this would be a big hit. There'd be a line around the block in New York City. And several years later, in January in New York City, I stood in line at the Jekyll and Hyde Club, which was a direct copy of the Adventures Club. They would tell you that, but in the theme of London during, during Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And... Um, and so it, it used to go with Joe first Tuesday of the month, first Sunday, first Sunday, 
second Sunday of the month, the uh, Rose Bowl swap meet, huge, one of the huge swap meets of the world, mm-hmm. and to buy a lot of the props and rugs and masks and different things that became all the stuff that's in the Adventures Club. At the same time, we were building Disney MGM Studio, and Chris Carradine's wife, uh, whose dad was the big movie producer, she knew everybody, and she would go to these garage sales and didn't just go to friends who weren't having a garage sale and buy up all these props that became the stuff of Sid Coingas. And a lot of the stuff that she acquired didn't particularly have a story. When Sid Coingas first opened, it was real movie props, and everything had a tag and a story and a, and a letter of providence. And providence. And we had real, real Disney movie posters that were in a big warehouse at Disney that they were going to throw away, you know, from all the way back. So a lot of the stuff that she acquired ended up in the Adventurous Club. And I still own and have, sitting at home on my roll-top desk, um, the typewriter that we used to type all of the captions on all the photos, 200-some mm. images in the Adventures Club that we sat around one day with, with some, um, some liquid encouragement and <laughs> snacks and just made up all these names. And so I still have that, that, that typewriter. But, so I spent a lot of time with Joe shopping for stuff, you know, talking him into, yeah, we need to. But, you know, Joe figured things out like we can't have everything that's on a shelf because then it's got to set somewhere. Right. And the rule of Disney is if a guest can get a hold of it, they will. And that's why you've got a holographic apple for Snow White Scary Adventure. So, yeah, spent a lot of time with Joe. Terrific guy. And his wife, Mel Momker. A great, great jerk. She wrote the book on the making of adventure of uh, Animal Kingdom. She's a wonderful person. That's awesome. Cool. That's that's really neat. Um, such a such a legacy there. And um, I, I imagine one of my and, favorite. I, I imagine I was, I, was gonna, I was gonna ask uh, an, another question next, but I'm gonna go ahead and ask this because I think there's 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 a decent tie-in. Um, and we have a mutual friend again from the the thing conference that we've both been a part of um, by the name of Aurora Gregory. She lives in California, and um, she asked this: How would you like your and her husband? Yes, her husband Ken, phenomenal person. Yeah, or um, Mr. Aurora Gregory. Let's call it, so. <laughs> yes. Uh, Aurora asks, how would you like your contribution to the Disney legacy to be remembered? Well, going back to Marty, who asked me the first time I met him, have you ever thought about putting live actors in a brick and mortar ride? He was by that time a big fan of Disney. And I want to be remembered as one of the key catalysts, I would say, SAC Theater in general, Herb Hansen and I specifically, and people don't know that they've met Herb. If you, if you go on Facebook and look up Herb Hansen, H-A-N-S-E-N, Herbie, you'll recognize him because he did a lot of streetmosphere in the later days. Um, uh, done all kinds of, just just sweetheart of a guy and a wonderful handyman. And we met in a group called Lamb's Players, a Christian street theater company in the back in the 70s and then started SAC Theater, S-A-K. And that's what Disney discovered and invited us to be at Epcot. And so I think I would like to be remembered as the guy who was one of the primary catalysts to usher in a lot more live um, acting level entertainment. Remember when I invited uh, Al Arasim, when I called him in Minneapolis to audition for us, he said, why would I go to work for Disney? You're so relentlessly uh, um, gay and patriotic. And, and I said, you know, I don't dance and sing, but he's an actor, he's an actor. I met him when he was in college. And this is a guy who worked in a sandwich shop all day long so, mm. so he could do plays at night. It was terrific, terrific actor, comedy and drama and so on. And, 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 and so when you go to the other parks and you look, when I go online and, and see street mis- versions of street mystery at, at, at 
at uh, Disney, California Adventure. I know that's a direct result of SAC Theater being hired for three months at Epcot for Italy, or or, or the, the characters that they'll have out 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 in front of Mystic Manor at at Hong Kong. You know, mm -hmm. those are characters that are directly as a result of the kinds of things that we started started back then to bring a new level. I have that's photos awesome. that I've found over the years of, of like a Keystone cop standing on Main Street in Disneyland in the fifties. He's not a security guy, he's an actor. And they had riverboat gamblers doing car tricks. And Marty told me they had these characters and Walt said, people said, why are you doing that? You don't need that stuff. And they had a stunt show out in front of the, the Golden Horseshoe. And uh, Walt said, well, this is the world's first thematic storytelling amusement park. Others will come along. They might be bigger, they might be better. Right. The way we'll stay ahead is with the little surprises. And one of those surprises is the people that are in these places. And Marty told me that as I was developing Streetmosphere. And so it goes way, way back to the beginnings of Disneyland. And I remember, I remember watching that stunt show, meeting that, meeting that Keystone cop guy, mm. uh, and so on. Uh, so to That's be remembered awesome. as as somebody uh, who you know ushered those things in, hopefully they'll they'll come back when the when the um, when the Biden virus goes away. Fair enough. <laughs> did I say that out loud? You, you, you did. Um, so now's a somebody good time to ask. Asked, somebody asked about fixing the Yeti, so I brought my <laughs> Yeti thermos just for that. Yes, and I just want to yes. say, I don't do Yeti. I never had anything to do with the Yeti. I saw it working one time. I have nothing but sympathy for that problem. So, and, 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 I, and I know you have a little bit of animosity towards Joe Rody about the height of that attraction. Uh, as well, from what I understand. When they were building, when they were building, real quickly, when they were building Everest, he said to one of the engineers, how tall is this? And he says, 189 feet, just like your buddy McNair's ho a crazy hotel. He said, they're the same? So they went up, next time you're there, look, and there's a little six-inch peak that they added to the mm -hmm. top of Everest, so that Everest is 189 feet and six inches. <laughs> I love that. It's all in the details. That's that's great. Um, our buddy Terry uh, that we've mentioned a few times, he asked, what's the one project that you are a part of that never was completed that you wish you could go experience today? You know, I saw that question, Terry. We were going to, the, the um, real quickly, we were going to transform Big Thunder ranch barbecue into a Boy Scout camp mm -hmm. with a bridge over the railroad tracks to Wild Bill to, to Buffalo Bill's Wild West show. And inside would have been the Indiana Jones Epic Stunt Spectacular. That's how we we're gonna get Indiana Jones into Disneyland. Now, had we done that, we wouldn't have, you know, Galaxy Springs now because that's right. where Star Tours is. Um, but that that but I was a with with uh, um, Tony Baxter. Tony Baxter, for some reason, uh, he and I got along really well, and he brought me into a lot of his early brainstorming projects. The, the, when Michael Eisner, and it's, and it's in it's in my book Catch, when Michael Eisner said, you know, we've got we've got two theme parks, we've got Disneyland, and we've got, uh, or we've got Disneyland, and we've got the, the 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 parking lot. He said, if I gave you the parking lot, what would you put there? And he drew two circles, and that was Tony Baxter's job. And we came up with actually three different solutions to what to put in the parking lot. Uh, Project P 
And uh, so, so when they're talking about putting, because Disneyland was in Tony's portfolio, mm. and um, and so that was that was one that would have been fun to see. And then there was another thing, pre-adventures club, safari adventure, where you would be picked up at at the studio. This was a Kirk Brothers idea. You would be picked up at the Orlando airport in an old Willys Ford uh, station mm. wagon with the windows black and so you couldn't look outside and be driven to an undisclosed location. And it would be a, an outpost in the middle of the jungle. And you would be there for three days. And you would, you would, if you didn't bring safari attire, there was going to be a Banana Republic store there or a Disney version of Banana Republic. You could outfit it and you would be there for three days and have these adventures, very low tech, you know, maybe rope ladders, maybe canoe things, but out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, people don't realize Disney World is twice the size of Manhattan Island. Mm -hmm. San Francisco City Limits is 42 square miles. Yep. Disney World is 45, 46 square miles. There, there's more land not being used there than is being used. There's a plot of land in the middle of Disney World that's got a 12-foot fence on, around it, barbed wire in the top, no gate, that's 7,000 acres. It's just sitting there. It's kind of a vegetation, bug, and wildlife preserve. Um, so there's plenty of land, as Walt said, enough land to hold all the ideas we'll ever have. So Safari Adventure was one of those that we didn't do. And, and you know, kind of in that category in that it doesn't exist anymore. It's just a crime that the Adventures Club is, is not still there. Go to, the, right. go to YouTube, watch anything you can see on the Adventures Club and see what you're missing. And then write to Bob Weiss and say, bring it back. So, <laughs> it's it had the highest guess. Yes, it's definitely talked about um, in 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 a lot of I, I know Disney fan groups and podcasts. I actually heard it mentioned uh, in another Disney podcast that I that I listened to uh, earlier this week. So it's you know it's definitely still out there's, there. People remember it, and there's six or eight Facebook sites dedicated to it. That's yeah. very active. They they you oh, yeah. know they do the Adventureland Day thing every year. Right. It's yeah, it's too bad. And I, I, I was assistant director on that because the guy that was director, Roger Cox, was a brilliant guy. Mm -hmm. I took him right away, his first trip to Disney World. I took him over to Epcot to see Sack Theater, Street Theater. And he was just blown away because he's a traditional, like myself, a traditional stage theater actor, background director, playwright. And uh, he said, man, man, how do we get some of that in Adventures Club? And I said, well, Roger, I've always imagined or my, my, my kind of high concept version of Adventures Club is indoor street theater. Mm. It just moves around and the show comes to you. And so when I was done rehearsing Streetmosphere every day at Disney MGM Studios before it was open and, and then also doing you know soft opening and so on, I would go over at night and work with the with the Adventures Club cast um, mm. on uh, uh, what are the techniques of street theater that they can use in the club. That's awesome. So cool. So this is a travel um tips podcast hence the name so in, in one of the, thinking about you coming on the show and kind of the the title sort of you know primary purpose of it to sort of give people travel advice and whatnot i was and I've, I've kind of always been curious about this is you know with with people like yourself and, and others that spend so much creative time and energy investing in these projects and experiences for guests and hopes that they will you know create some amazing memories and take some things away and whatnot uh what uh, what is one piece of travel advice or what is something that you would hope that uh, a guest would get out of 
coming and spending some time and maybe some of the things that you've created or been a part of? Everything I worked on at, at Disney, and I, this is sort of a spinoff from, from a rule that, that Tony Baxter had that I'll mention in a minute. I tried to imagine two things. What's people's first impressions? And when they came back, what would they see that they didn't notice last time? Mm. And whether they came back two times or 20 times, what would they see this time that they didn't notice last time? That it would have that kind of life to it. And that's what the live elements of anything bring to our parks. But even in writing um, Peter Pan's Flight, I wrote it a, a few months ago in Disneyland before COVID, 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 COVID uh, before the shutdown disease um, that has affected way too many governors. Um, and hopefully some of them will not recover. But um, I noticed things in that attraction. I said, is that new? And I got off and I asked some of the ride operators, there's a thing in there that's, oh, that's always been there. Tony Baxter was asked one time, how is it that I can see something in an attraction that after I've written it 19 times, I still see something new. And Tony said, I design for the 19th visit. Mm. And so it's, it's, it's that, you, that you, wanna, you wanna design things that people see new and afresh. And I tell people, um, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to look at a list of all the attractions. I don't know if there's an attraction that I haven't been on. I haven't been on Lilo and Stitch. Mm. I know for a fact I haven't. And I haven't avoided it. I just know that's one I haven't been on. But I'd say, you know, don't tell yourself, oh, wow, those little barnstormer things in, in, in Toontown. That's have you ridden the streetcar in Toontown? I worked on Toontown because my next door neighbor, the office next to me, was Joe Lance Cicero, who designed Toontown and then went on to do Hong Kong Disneyland and Mystic Manor. Joe has a background as an animator and a clown. And if you look at a picture of Joe Lance Cicero, he's kind of goofy looking. And he came to me one day and said, let me show you what I'm working on. This is the early days of Toontown. And he said, and then we we're thinking about a little trolley. And I said, does it kind of wobble down the street? He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, it, it, it needs to, you know, you can't, Toontown trolley, it's got to, you know, he says, oh. I said, Joe, all you need to do is make the wheels not round. Right. That's my, that's my contribution to Toontown. You know, um, so you never know. Friends are always inviting friends in to, to, to see things. And, and, and my deal was, because I have a background in the theater in, in set design and, and, and directing and writing, is I don't take my hands off a show until it's open. Even in dress rehearsal, I might go, I won't go to every actor with a note, with an idea, mm -hmm. with an adjustment, because every actor can't handle something new the night before you open. But some are ready for that. Some are ready for that. And some will even come to you when you come and see the show after it's been running for weeks. And the ideas go, my, my note to everybody at Street Theater at Epcot was, I would say, that's a, that was you, if you were working for me, I would say, John, that's one of the best shows I've ever seen. That bit about such and such, I'm going to steal that joke. Now, that was a great show. And I give them two or three things I liked about it. Then I'd say, tell me something you're gonna do next time to make it a better show. Noth if nothing wrong with what you just did, it's impossible to do the exact same thing the next mm -hmm. time. You have to work harder at it just to keep it at the level that you got it to. Right. And, and so it's always that. It's always, what are we gonna do to make it better, to improve it, to add to it, 
you know, one of the reasons we ended up doing shows in, in, in Future World is we got to make a call that a couple of Imagineers were coming to town specifically to meet with us. And it was Bob Weiss and Randy Bright, Randy Bright, who wrote Disneyland, the, the, story, the story of Disneyland. And they said, you know, we've noticed Future World is kind of boring. I said, well, did you notice that on your own or did guests point that out to you? And so we added three little street shows to, to Future World to, to, to liven it up. And um, because the way they had designed Future World, every attraction, big and, and by and large, amazing, but pretty stagnant, pretty much what you see is what you get. Uh, world of imagination, not so much because there was so much going on. You couldn't right. see it all in one, one, one visit. So always looking, always looking to say, and, and, and too, from the beginning, what have people never seen before? I remember when Michael Eisner said, asked that meeting we had mask room before the Avengers Club was done. He says, is this going to work? Is, is there anything like this out there? Nothing like this out there. We're going to have to fail on this all by ourselves. But I said, then the world's going to try to copy us. They're going to find out it's way <laughs> too difficult. And nobody else will ever get it. And if you've noticed, very few copies. So. Well, that's uh, in, in kind of getting going back to something that i was saying earlier i love the the live entertainment elements and it's you know it's it's disappointing that um that so much of it is not there now you know i'm I'm hoping um hoping that a lot of that or at least a good bit of it will be brought back especially in preparation for the 50th anniversary of walt disney world i mean i, I don't see a way um around that you know there, there's got to be um that that element has been such a an important part of the park experience that, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to see that back for the, the 50th anniversary celebration next year. I, I want your listeners, I want your viewers to know whether they're professionals like yourself in helping others or whoever they are. Every time you go to Disney or Universal or any place or the movies or restaurant, if something there strikes you as really good, the mashed mm -hmm. potatoes were particularly creamy tonight. Tell somebody. Absolutely. They say, they say, oh, well, they know the potatoes are good. And then you go back the next time and they're not there. Why? Well, no, we, we didn't know if anybody liked them or not. Tell them. Right. And every time you tell them anything that you liked, you didn't like, be specific so they can adjust it. So Absolutely. they can keep doing it better. I, I don't know who was with me, but a couple of people from the thing, as, as we were leaving uh, the studio's theme park the other day, a couple weeks ago now, we went by guest relations and there was a woman sitting out there and I said, my ticket was $130, but at least $50 of the park isn't here. Indiana Jones, Street Mr. and I began to tick off the stuff right. that's not there. I said, who do I see about a partial rebate? Well, sir, um, uh, you know, we, and I said, why did, why did you cancel Street Mr.? She said, I didn't cancel them. The, 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 it's, it, it's actors' equity. So I said, well, I didn't hire them. I didn't cancel them. So between you and me, you're Disney. If you're not Disney, go get me somebody who can speak for Disney, please. Right. And I was being, and I asked later the people, I said, was I kind of said, you were very strong with her, but you were, you were polite. Right. And so she gave me a card of, of who to write to. And I said, but I want you, don't let it in here. I gave her her. In a meeting with your staff where you're saying, hey, what are people saying? Because I used to be, uh, I thought it too, I used to be an Imagineer. I helped design this park from scratch. And I said, I would get every week, or I guess it was every other week, we'd get a compendium of about six, eight pages of the, best of the guest comments, good mm -hmm. and bad. And I said, I want to be in that. That somebody came by and said, I'm here 
but the group of people that I just gave a tour of the park to, from all different disciplines, creative people, entrepreneurs, makers and shakers. And, and you know, it was evident. It was evidence. In the same way that before we left the Brown Derby, I went and got the manager and I said, you know, I was enjoying my salad. And in the middle of my salad, my entree comes. I said, this is a fine dining restaurant. You come over and say, are you ready for your entree yet, sir? No, I'm not. Thanks for asking. But he didn't ask. I had to say, I'm not ready for it yet. Right. Yep. I said, so as a result, five, 10 minutes later, when I got, finally got it, it had just been sitting under a heat lamp and it was not as delicious. It was, it was a very good meal, but it wasn't what it could have been if it had been brought out to me fresh. So I said, be specific with people, with what you like and what you, what you don't. And don't just complain, compliment. Right. And, and I think like being there, you know, with, with you all kind of recently, um, and, and I've always felt this when I've, whenever I've gone and even as a, as a, as a cast member, kind of being there for a little while, you know, cast members really appreciate um, those, even just the short little um, comments, even if it's just a personal kind of thank you for what you're doing, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I mean, those things um, go, go a long way. Um, so, you know, I, I would encourage people and, and I've said this before that, you know, tell, tell them, thank you, tell them, you know, you, you appreciate what they do because a lot of them right now um, are feeling a great deal of stress. You know, we we're all aware of the layoffs and kind of everything that's going on and, and, and all this stuff. And they're, you know, Disney's doing, you know, they're, they're trying to do the best job they can to kind of make things safe for everybody and all this kind of stuff. But, um, the reality is, is that, you know, there are people's jobs, people's very, you know, livelihood, all travel agents aside. So take, you know, me out of this situation. There, 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 there are people whose jobs and livelihood depend on this stuff. Uh, so the, the anxiety level is, is real high right now. And um, I know just from talking to cast member friends, um, ones that kind of, we know um, some that don't have jobs now and some that soon will not have jobs. Um, and, you know, others that I know um, that still do have jobs th that are there now. Um, it's those, those words, those kind words go a long way. So I think constructive criticism is everything, uh, you know, letting people know how they can prove, improve and being real. Um, and, and I, and from being in the, some sort of customer service industry for, you know, 20 years or so, one thing that I've learned is that it's very easy to, tell people what's not right or how things can be fixed. But what often is left out is how things, you know, are going well um, and kind of those little, you know, magical moments or whatever it is. So um, I, I hear what you're saying. That's huge. I, so I, I've been, John, I, I've traveled to, I guess, 40 countries or so, 42, I forget. And I have a bad habit that every bathroom, that I go into, if there's an employee there doing anything, refilling the paper towels, sure, wiping down the counter. I, I look at them, if they've got a name tag, I say, John, thanks for keeping the place clean and comfortable. It means a lot. Well, thank you, sir. I mean, I do it at airports, yeah. I do it at Disney all the time, or wherever. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I go to Starbucks when, when they let me, right now we can't, um, inside and sit down, three, right. four or five days a week. And, I, and I'm usually there till closing, 10 o'clock. And as I'm leaving, I say, thanks, everybody. Great job. Or if I get my usual, which they all know how to make and the little twist that I like to it, if it's particularly good, I'll go over and I'll say, Rachel, my latte was extra good tonight. Keep making them that way. 
And sometimes, well, I don't know what I did, you know. But every place you go, take time to thank somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's huge. Well, we've we've been at this for a while now. I don't know the exact time, but uh, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this tonight. This has been a lot of fun uh, for me and, and real special to be able to do this. Um, and, you know, of course, people know how to reach me. But uh, if anybody did want to reach out to you or find more about what you do, where would be the best place to go? Well, they can start with my the, what I'm using as my website now is my blog site. Uh, which is tea, like the drink, T-E-A with McNair.com, tea with McNair.com. They'll find a link to my TED Talk. I've done two or three TED Talks, but the one that uh, is the basis of the new book is there. Um, uh, Facebook, see McNair Wilson, or um, the public site is McNair Wilson International Fan Club and Dry Cleaning. If you Google McNair Wilson, you'll get plenty of contacts for me. Um, I answer most of my own email on the tea with McNair thing. You'll see a little thing says email McNair directly. Um, but the best thing is get on my email list very quickly. It's on MailChimp uh, for McNair Wilson. And uh, you'll get notified of the launch of the new book. We're going to, as soon as the, as, when I'm finished writing, right. hand it off to the guys that are going to edit, produce, lay the book out. We will do a pre-sale at, at that point. Um, if, yeah, if you send me a link to that, we'll make sure that gets into the comments and show description and, and the, all that kind of stuff. And, and the thing that we're going to do with that is, is um, because so many people with hats, even though I said this on the back, right. uh, don't loan this to somebody, you'll never get it back. Sure. So with the release of the new book, we're selling them in two book increments. So you can't just buy one initially. Um, after it goes on Amazon, you'll be buy one and so on, but the two books sure. and they'll be signed and so on. And what you can do is you can buy two of the new books or the new book and hatch together. Somebody asked me the other day, uh, Terry had put a, it's thing, on, thing online. What are you currently working on? I said, finishing my new book and so on. And somebody said, uh, ask me then as a comment, do we have to have read Hatch in order to appreciate the new book? I wrote them so that they stand alone and they are complimentary. So um, I would you know, recommend you, you read Hatch, but if you didn't, that's your funeral. I'm looking but, uh, forward to The best it. way is tea with McNair <laughs> and uh, Find, find me there. And if you're planning, I'm, I'm already starting to book stuff for the next year or so. I've actually got something booked for 2022. It's um, awesome. A conference or a thing. And, I'm, and I'm, I've done several Zoom events with like a staff of an organization. I did a nonprofit board that, that oversees um, uh, through the Lutheran Church money for uh, school choice situations in, throughout, the, throughout the state of, of Indiana. And so starting to do some of those. So that's a, that's a, it's a fun thing to look at, but uh, contact me and let me know how we can work together and either problem solving, brainstorming, or just uh, consulting with you on some stuff. Terry and I did a keynote of a, of a big conference together, uh, yeah. virtual. Uh, it did. We recorded it. it there's not an industry that McNair has, has not uh, had his hands in or encouraged or spoken with at some point. <laughs> so yes, he, he'd be a great resource for you. If, uh, if my, friend, looking... my friend says, I see you're going to be with some NASA scientists. What do you talk to them about? That's a creativity. <laughs> I see you're going to be at a, at a lawyer conference. Done a lot of lawyer conference. What are you talking about? Creativity. And always at the grow up, I said, do you think there's room for lawyers to be creative? And I said, well, if there isn't, there would be so darn many of you because it'd be what's the crime, what's the punishment, pay the lady, you know. But you guys wow. are always figuring out different ways to, you know, 
So teachers, parenting groups, lots of church groups, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I, I love the done, bit of I even have some travel organizations. Uh, yeah, good ones. yeah, yeah, <laughs> the good ones. Well, but we're, I tell we're, people we're, 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 we're not doing. Well, I'd say people you, we're not doing anything right now. Look, from the time I say, "Hey, mention to the bosses a travel mation about me doing something," I know it's going to be a year or two down the road sure. if you travel and or if you plan for next year. So, so, but just put my name in the hopper. Yeah. Well, uh, well, ho- hopefully, hopefully that'll happen. I'm not in charge of those decisions, but um, as I've shared with you, I've passed that along, and hopefully, they, they'd, be, they'd be crazy not to have you come on. And uh, I do love the bit about the fact you've worked with rocket. You work with people from NASA. Um, I live in the Huntsville, Alabama area that's known as the Rocket City. Oh, yeah. So hopefully some of my uh, rocket scientist friends are, are tuning in and, <laughs> and hearing that. Yes, it is possible for you to my be creative. Um, my resume says Salvation from Salvation Ar- or from IBM to the Salvation Army. There and I've done go. a lot of stuff with the Salvation Army. And live just enough with IBM. That's awesome. <laughs> and Mac, Apple. That's really cool. So um, thank you again to McNair for coming on tonight. And as always, if I can um, support you and your travel planning in any way, I don't charge any planning fees, but from Disney to Universal Cruising, all-inclusive works, any of that kind of stuff. I've been working hard uh, over the kind of Thanksgiving and sort of cyber weekend time, getting people in some great deals and that kind of thing. And so I would love to work hard for you and uh, kind of get to know your your travel needs and, and what uh, what you may have going on. So feel free to reach out to McNair, uh, see what he has going on, order his book when that comes uh, available. I know I will. I'm looking forward to uh, to having that and reading through that. I've actually got a couple of copies of Hatch uh, as well, and that is a wonderful book. Uh, definitely check out Hatch if you do not have a copy. And you'll also, book. on my website, you'll see I've got a little bookstore where they can buy directly from me to get signed copies yep. including yep. Uh, copies of my out of print books that i've got used copies of yep. that i'll yep. send out to folks so because this Absolutely. is yep. the new book is sixth book so you you will want to like well one of the things i love about re- receiving books from you is that it's if, if you buy direct so amazon great so like you know everybody and their up to their third cousins all have Amazon prime these days, but if you buy direct that helps McNair out a little bit more, uh, but also he has a little bit more of a personal touch to it. So I highly recommend that he even kind of does something fun with the envelopes usually. And that's, that's kind of neat and, uh, and, and to have, so, uh, would, would recommend that if you can. Thank you all so much for tuning in to episode 101 of Travel Tips Tuesday with former Disney Imagineer McNear Wilson. It was a, an amazing conversation that we had talking about his time with the Walt Disney Company, Walt Disney Imagineering specifically. I hope you learned a ton. I know I did. I've heard a lot of these stories many times before, but some of them were new. So especially a few of his pieces talking about his time with Joe Rody, among others. So it was it was an exciting time for sure. Please make sure to check out McNear's uh, Facebook presence also on his his website and subscribe to his email list so you can be ready for his launch of his next book. Thank you again to McNair. We do hope you have an amazing rest of your week and we will see you again real soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Travel Tips Tuesday. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you then.